All right. So, um, yeah. So, thank thank you everybody for joining today. I'm I'm Eric Bramlett. I'm the uh, broker owner of Bramlett Residential. I'm Max Lehman, uh, CEO of Loan People. And today we're gonna uh, do the inaugural uh, "What's Your Angle" podcast, kind of a, a working title that maybe maybe sticks, maybe not. Uh, how are you doing, Max? What did you get up to this week? I'm good, man. Uh, I was uh, I was in Nashville on uh, really Friday to Wednesday at a mortgage conference, uh, so that was fun. Um, always, always, always a good time. Uh, learned a lot. Uh, we were operators, um, just getting kind of more of a sense of what's going on with everybody else. You know, signed a bunch of NDAs, and everybody really just kind of opens the doors to inside what they're doing. So, so it was great. You know, we learned, uh, we're doing mostly everything as, as good as you can. And so, uh, so the vibe was solid, right? Like big party, like everybody was, everybody's printing money and, and Oh yeah. It's, yeah. you know, but like it's 1999. Uh, it was a little more solemn, uh, you know, everybody kind of walking around a little bit with their head down a little bit more and you know, that kind of thing. But it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's good to be around your peers and yeah, you know, people always, you always want to kind of compare yourself to others, right? To a certain degree. So, you know, the, the misery loves company feeling like, yeah. you know, it's knowing that it's not just you. And then, you know, seeing that unfortunately some are not doing as good as you, uh, you know, there's a certain like, okay, it could be worse kind of feeling that goes with that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, I know I call you all the time. Anytime we have a dip in leads for more than like a week. Hour. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can call them like, what do, what do locks look like, Max? Are they right. also down? And, I don't want the locks to be down, but um, it always is comforting to know that that yeah, there's not we're not doing anything wrong. It's oh just, yeah, I love it when your 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 pendings are equal to my Napster locks. Like that's always yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, well, great man. I'm glad you're back. I'm glad you're back in town and had a good time there. I'm sure I'm sure there's some exciting stuff. Yeah. So you know, in the interest of um, like kind of having a structure here. What, what we want to talk about in the beginning of every podcast are the qualifications of any guests we have. And and we obviously don't have a guest today. Uh, we actually have a couple of guests lined up that we're really excited about that we'll, we'll talk about you know in the future. Um, but we'll, why we want to talk about qualifications is that you know, it's important to know um, who you're listening to, right? Like what have they done? Um, you know, what's their experience level? So Max, if you can give us a quick rundown of your history in the business, uh, where you are now, um, why you're qualified. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I got in the business uh, July 9th, 2001 was my first day. Um, for me, it just always kind of clicked. I was really, really quick to start kind of putting the pieces of the puzzle together when it comes to structuring a loan, figuring out how to navigate guidelines, um, that kind of thing. I very quickly became kind of the go-to for veterans at the time to, to come and, and like, how would you do this? How would you put this together? What do you see here? Um, <clears throat> I was always kind of a leader, probably, uh, well, before I got into the mortgage business, I you know, managed a cell phone shop and in high school, I managed, uh, five bagel shops and I was just always kind of had this leader mentality. Right. Um, so, you know, sometime around 2004 or five, I, I became a sales manager and then branch manager. And then, um, you know, quickly started from there kind of building out Lehman team, which started in about 2009. Um, really from like 2010, 2011 on, we were really able to build something pretty special, pretty quick. You know, I've, I've always had multiple loan officers on my team. Um, you know, but when we look at numbers, Max Lehman, the loan officer, 
we got ourselves to number one in Austin in 2010 or 11 and yeah. really have, have stayed there ever since. So I remember you and I started working together in 2009. And when we started working together, you showed up to every closing and that, that stopped pretty quickly because you guys were, were doing so well that you couldn't, you couldn't keep up with it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, you still try to go every now and then and it gets to the point where you just, there's not enough time in the day. And you know, it's interesting, like sometimes it can be good to be at a closing, but a lot of the feedback that we would get is like, Hey, if you're here at closing, then what are you doing? How are you helping <laughs> my clients right now? And so, right. you know, there's two, two schools of thoughts there. Um, but yeah, we, we, the point where Lehman team was the fourth largest company in Austin, when you really broke it down and, you know, through a circumstance of events, uh, decided we were going to do our own thing. So we spent all of 2019 opening up, uh, and preparing loan people. Right. That was a big deal. I, I remember you guys were, uh, you were kind of doing it behind the scenes for a bit because you obviously had to operate and you couldn't let the last bank know that you were putting that together. So yeah. I remember you being super stressed with like two different computers working from. Yeah, that was uh, running running uh, commercial space. Uh, yeah. You know, it was there it, it was there was a time, but uh, you know, it, it worked out, and we we opened our doors January of 2020. Um, <laughs> I sat with uh, so you know we obviously we open and and Lehman Team is the only group at Loan People. Yeah. Uh, all of a sudden. COVID, you know, hits and uh, so we're open January, March COVID hits and I brought all the all the loan officers in and I was like, guys, I don't know what's going to happen. How many, how many employees did you start with whenever you started in 2020? Uh, 20, uh, 24, 28, somewhere, yeah. somewhere around there. A lot of overhead. Uh, not, not too bad. I mean, yeah. you know, it was office and, and salaries and stuff, you know, enough to, it, it was fine. It was expected. Um, you know, now we're 116 and yeah. we've been able to grow, you know, obviously 20 and 21 and 22, even though not as good as 21, were phenomenal, phenomenal years. Yeah. Um, but we've also in 21 started growing out the company and adding other loan officers and other branches. And now we're in <laughs> San Antonio, we're in New Braunfels, we're in Houston, Corpus, uh, got a gal in uh, Oklahoma as well. Nice. Uh, lends on a bunch of cities in central Texas that you never heard of, Tig, right. Mejia, that kind of place. So, you know, it's 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 going great. And, you know, it's not without its trials and tribulations, especially in this market. But uh, I'm super happy that we've done this. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and I think the headline is that you're running a bank now. It's just it's not Max out of his office. It's it's lone people, which is really impressive. And, and you know, scaling to different levels is uh, it's difficult. You know, it is. Um, you know, I think one thing that gives us an advantage really over our competitors is that I, I I am the owner of the CEO, but I'm still also originating some. Um, so I've really got my finger on the pulse as to what loan officers are going through and what what real estate agents are going through. And like, I've really got my, my pulse on the street from, from both sides of it. So, so what about you, man? Like, uh, I know you, uh, <laughs> I know your story, but, uh, tell us. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll give the, I'll try to give the, the quick story. I, I got into real estate in 2003. Um, I didn't really know what I was, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I moved to Austin. The, 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 the story was that I was going to move to Austin, go to law school. And I was waitlisted at UT and then, um, was having a lot of fun working at a bar downtown. Uh, so I was pretty happy. I got waitlisted that I didn't have to go. Um, and, and then I got pretty sick of, of, you know, working in a bar downtown pretty quickly and didn't really know what I wanted to do, got licensed um, just because I didn't want to work in an office. I heard that you could make money, you know, selling real estate. Uh, and it was like relatively easy for a while because we were coming out of a recession at that time and I had yeah. no idea. Um, 
so I got in and it wasn't like immediate success or anything like that, but I did figure out how to uh, generate leads through internet marketing pretty quickly. And I was so young that nobody took me seriously to buy, like to help them buy and sell. So I was doing a lot of apartment looking, but I, I kept that internet marketing, you know, knowledge with me. And, and as I progressed in the career, uh, I learned how to generate like buyer seller leads and, and things were pretty easy. Then I remember everybody says, oh, wait, hit, but it was really the second half of 2007. Yeah. Sort of like everybody's going to call it 2023, but it was really the second half of 2022. Right. And um, yeah, it went from, you know, like leads coming from the sky to all of a sudden, like still leads, but you couldn't qualify any of them. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I was like, all right, well, that was a good run. Um, now it's time to get serious. Now I'm going to go to law school. <laughs> and, and I applied and got accepted that time. And then I got a letter from the IRS and they audited me. And um, I realized that I was going to probably have to like sell my house. <laughs> and do all this yeah. So, so I, I did the math and I said, okay, if I do this, if I go to law school, I'm starting over. Um, I'm probably not going to be successful as early as I'd like to be. So I got really serious about real estate then. Um, you know, there were some things that happened. I had a business partner who's an amazing guy. Um, we ended up parting ways in, two, in 2012. I was laser focused on my own production. I wanted nothing to do with management. I, you know, it's a real estate's really lucrative and the harder I work, the more money we get. So that's what we're going to focus on. We had excess leads. So, you know, we had one agent Then two years later we had two agents and, and then, you know, three years later, I think we had four agents. It, it grew really slowly at first. And then in uh, 2020, we decided, Hey, we have a really strong infrastructure here and we think that we can grow more and not, lose quality that's always been my number one thing is yeah. that i don't want to um dilute the quality of of the people that we get to work with it's Absolutely. kind of a selfish deal and uh yeah and we did and right now um not by agent count by any means because we're not looking to grow volume meaning the, the agents that are coming over and the volume they bring with us we're the fastest growing independent brokerage in austin we're almost the fastest growing brokerage in austin but who we're competing with are like you know, these really big brokerages. So that's not something we're going to chase forever. We, uh, we certainly want to maintain quality. It's the number one thing. And, you know, well, I think that's important too, right? Yeah. Like quality over quantity, a hundred percent. We've always kind of had that same mentality here. Right. You know, we're not necessarily a shop for everybody, but good quality technicians, people that know how to put loans together, um, that aren't just throwing a bunch of stuff against the wall to see what sticks and come up the system. Right. Yeah. Well, congrats on your success. I always joke that, uh, you know, Max and I are really good friends and we share a lot of like hard numbers and um, he's a really humble guy. And I feel like we're kind of successful, but you can just you, you can usually three X whatever it is we're doing. And that's where Max is on it. So <laughs> congrats on your success. Man. Yeah, you too, man. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, I wish it was three X this year. <laughs> it's three X loss this year. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, so anyway, so I, in, in keeping with like introducing the podcast, we want to talk about, well, and, and before we get to this, we'll talk about what, what the topic is going to be today. So we're going to talk about a market update, which there's not a whole lot of news other than things keep saying, but we'll talk about that. And then we're going to talk to you guys about leading indicators yeah. and why we care so much about those. So we are going to get some good, you know, content. Um, not that this isn't good content. We want to keep introducing the, the pod. So why do we want to do this? Like, Max, why, do you, why did you decide that you wanted to do this? When I pitched this to you and said, hey, I think we can do this on a monthly basis. What do you hope to get from it? Why do you want to, why do you want to do it? So, you know, the old, you surround yourself with successful people right. to be successful, right? Um, there's so much that I don't know. I'm, I try to learn every day. Um, we have some 
really successful friends and you know there's people in other cities and states that i know that you don't and, and vice versa and to have a forum a medium where we can really sit down and i mean you talk and you kind of shoot the shit and, and that kind of thing right but like to really sit down and like have a conversation uh with somebody who's done something and and is successful in their line of work and and, and that does not real estate or mortgage I right mean, it's just so how did you scale how did you grow how did you advertise whatever it is so i'm really really curious to dive in with other people and really kind of take a deep dive into seeing what they've done how they've gotten to where they are and what what years they've had absolutely and and that was something that when we were talking about this um max i i I don't know who finished each other's sentence, but we said, you know, we want to have people outside from outside the industry. And the commonality is success and kind of a unique look at at how did they find their success? What's their angle? Right. right. Um, and you're going to I've found that that successful people in really any industry, you know, a friend of mine um, founded a rewards program. Right. That did really well. And they and they exited and and when i talk with him about business it's it's common themes that that like max deals with and that i deal with and that agents deal with so i'm really excited to bring these folks in i feel like i've i've learned a whole lot from people outside the industry my whole career and within obviously sure. but but hopefully some unique perspective yeah so. that's uh you know i think i'm i'm excited about it and uh i'm, I'm super interested to see where this thing goes yeah um you said conversations with the guests and that's that's obviously a big goal of mine I want to start conversations with everybody, right? Um, I've I've learned so much uh, through collaborating with with you know people in real estate, outside of real estate. What I've found is like the more conversations that I have uh, with really anyone who is smart and not even just successful, an agent um, from outside of Austin that hit me up randomly just wanted to talk about pay per click marketing. And okay, great. And we started chatting about it. It turned out like he was way further along on a specific campaign type than I am. And so yeah. I ended up learning quite a bit from him. Hopefully I, you know, uh, hopefully I gave a little bit to that conversation, but you know, the more that you talk with smart people, the more that you talk with people who are like-minded and how you do business, um, good things just happen. And that's, that's, right. that's one of my goals is to, is to hopefully meet some folks and, you know, we end up getting referrals in and referrals out, out of the deal. Like that's great too. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Obviously. Um, so yeah, so we kind of hit on on everything that we hope the the podcast to be, and I guess do you want to jump in to where where are we in the market right now and, and where you feel? Do you want to talk about the mortgage market for a bit, and then I'll talk about kind of where I feel like the real estate market is. Yeah, yeah. So the mortgage market, uh, as I alluded to earlier, is uh, super slow. <laughs> uh, the re refi business is booming this year, right? Oh, and everybody wants to refi from three percent to seven percent. I talked so, to I talked to yeah. a, a lady today that needs needs some help with something, but you know, it it doing what she wants to do means she gives up a two and a half percent, two and three quarters rates. So, right? You know, but uh, you know, it's um, it, it's definitely it's definitely a time in the mortgage industry right now. There's no way to sugarcoat that. Mortgage apps are at um, you know 1995, 1996 levels levels we haven't seen in, in a while. Um, I actually ran a stat. I don't think I've told you this yet. I ran a stat yesterday. Uh, you know, Lehman Team's always kind of been my basis for everything because that's been the one constant. Um, so, you know, when we look at uh, just total leads that have come in, um, in 2021, uh, it was about 5,500 leads that Lehman Team got. Okay. In 22, it was about 3,300. Um, yeah, that, well, that's the refi 
difference, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, and purchases, you know, and uh, there, it's probably more in 21 because there was a lot of refis that didn't even get logged because it got to the point where we just, we were turning away business. You guys today. were telling people that you could close a refi in 60 days, I think, in order to accommodate the purchase. When, well, we were doing some 90 days and then we yeah. shut off. Re if you weren't an existing customer of ours, we shut off the refis and just said, sorry, we can't help you. There just there wasn't enough capacity. And purchase business is always number one. And yeah. even through that time, you know, we're normally about an 85% purchase business team. But by the way, I've, I've always admired that you've done that. And I, and I didn't understand that. Like it is like kind of self-interested that, that you do that because it's much more constant, yeah. right? Yeah, but those were like you you build relationships with people who continue to send you purchase business. You don't generally get as many relationships for the refis, right? Like you have to do a lot of outbound for that. Is well, that true? yes, but the bigger issue is I've seen several refi busts now, right? In one, um, and if all these shops that are primarily refi, they go out of business. Right, it, it happens overnight. And and to explain that dynamic to like agents who are listening. So if you think about it, it's very logical. If if there's a refi boom, it will be followed by a bust every time. There, it's impossible for there to be a prolonged refi uh, boom because everyone smart who refis is refied, and now at, at a, they're just not going to refi it. Well, yeah. and, you know, now I believe the stats something like eighty percent of the people out there have a rate under six percent. Right. Um. You know, and and something like maybe. Um, I won't even say it. I'll be making it up. But, you know, there's a substantial amount of people that are still under five, um, you know. And, and so when things turn around, you know, 24, I think you'll start to see some some relief of rates really second quarter of 24. I think, you know, the Fed's probably going to have to start pivoting yeah. and cutting rates in 24. Um, you know, they're markets. A chance that they stay where they are yeah. and they meet next week. November, December, January is still a little, it, it's still unknown. And, and you really got to go off. I think you guys will, I mean, to be honest, like, I don't want to predict this far in the future, but I will. I think you guys will see a refi boom. I'm sorry, a refi boom in 26. And the reason for that is I think we're going to see, I think you'll, I think you'll see a lot more refis in 25. Yeah. From, from people who bought, there are people buying in 23 and 24. They're all going to refi in 25. And then I think you're going to see a lot of people who bought in 24 and 25. Like there should be a lot of volume then. And the rates should be lower in 26, and you should you should be able to turn a lot of those loans because people don't. You, you're correct that some people stay in their houses like now because they have a low rate, but it doesn't matter how low your rate is if your house is too small for you. Life events life events right. happen, but the other thing too, you know, don't get it twisted for any loan officers listening out there. You know, when rates come down, this isn't going to be like anything like we've seen in the past, there's just not that many loans to refi. So right. there's gonna be an opportunity for everyone that's taken out a loan basically since May, June, July of, of last year to get down. But the other thing, you know, what happened in 01, 02, during that time frame, rates came down really slowly. So when I got into business, I got into business 2000. When I got into business, if I could get you 7%, it was the equivalent of you getting 3% in during COVID. Like right. You loved me. Um, now, obviously, you know, people have gotten more accustomed to where that is. Um, but during that time frame, rates, they didn't spike down. They, they came down slowly. So there was a lot of people that would refi and then they refined again in a year and refined again in a year. Well, that's when they're doing a lot of cash outs, right? There was some of that, but it's yeah. also, you know, you rates drop half a point or a point. It, it can make sense to refi. 
Right. Um, so, you know, I, I think it's going to kind of be more like this, Similar. you know? Um, so yeah, it's, uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, rates, the average rate today, um, via mortgage news daily was seven, two, nine. Um, it's been in that range for at least a month and a half now, right? Yeah, it's been up there. Uh, we peaked, uh, August 22nd, it peaked at seven four nine. Yeah, um, that know, was our, scary. It looked like I'm mean, not scary because it's not going to do a whole lot, but it looked like it was headed towards eight. I thought. Oh yeah, well, and you know, today we'll see what happens. You know, the ten year uh, is up at higher levels today. It's sitting about four three three six today, which is kind of where we hit uh, back three or four weeks ago, and and we're kind of at this particular level. So you know, if we can keep from going over about the four three four four three five. That's really ideal because if we start closing over there, then there's there's precedence to believe just from a technical chart. And by the way, I'm not a technical analysis. I only listen to people that are smart. For sure. Well, that's that's really it's either really efficient or really lazy. Like one probably of the two. Both. It's probably both, right? Um, like but, when I put solar on my house, I uh, I didn't research any of it because one of my good friends who I ride with like researched the hell out of it, and I was like, great. Well, I, I know yeah. this about you too. Like yeah. you're always like, well, so and so said this is a good idea, so I'm gonna. Do I'm that. gonna do it. It, yeah. it doesn't. It, it works. <laughs> like if, if I know that that person's reliable, why would I bother with with looking into it? Of course, <laughs> of course. Uh, so yeah, we, we what we don't want, you know, if the ten year starts bouncing up over that and, and getting to four and a half or whatever. Uh, four and three quarters, then it's it's likely we could see rates at eight. On that same note of, of uh, you know, I just listen to people who are smarter than me. I'll share the screen with everybody, but this, uh, one of my friends, uh, Jay, who I think you know, told me about this. Uh, it is the CME FedWatch tool, and it shows you real time what the predict, like what the percent oh, prediction yeah. is. That's awesome. Yeah, so they're saying 99% chance that the Fed will not raise rates. I think it's in four in yeah. four days, which makes a lot of sense. I mean, what, does not, it say for, what does it say for November? I don't know. Where does it? I, I don't know. Where? Oh, November. There we go. I didn't even see that. 73% no, 26% uh, yes. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, I think that Push that's... Push that out to June. What does it show in June of 24? I mean, it's going to get less reliable the further we go. Yeah. So, you target said, rate, that's down, right? That's down. Yeah. yeah. So, that they start looking at 40%. When they're going to lower. Yeah. And then when as we dig into leading indicators, which we're going to talk about, this is sort of the ultimate leading indicator. And I will say this, like if you're trying to strategize around stuff, like you, you can't really like bank on this. This is 100% going to happen, but you can say this is the highest likelihood. That this yeah. is what, what's going to happen. And you can sort of plan your business. You can plan your business around. But you also have to be able to pivot and understand you need to have backup plans and you need to be able to pivot quickly. Yeah. Um, because especially in this business, like we saw last That's year. That's why I'm applying to law school next year. Just I mean, it's, it's probably yeah. smart. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, but as fast as we saw rates spike last year, like yeah. it is also possible that this thing could reverse super quickly as well. So you always in business, you've got to have contingency plans. And but I will, I will say this, like, what do you see the likelihood that it reverses? Because in order for the Fed to reverse, the inflation would have to spike. Well, because inflation, if you think about it, like the CPI is kind of the leading indicator on it is on what the really, Fed's going to do. Well, it's really core is really what core. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, core they strip out. Uh, um, you know, and it was really interesting because earlier this week, uh, CPI came out numbers were a little bit hotter than it's been. But the core but, wasn't, the core dropped, right? Yeah, um, uh, was it? Uh, I've got an internet. Yeah, section. no, it, uh, core core went up. Um, this, so the last report from earlier this week? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it went, from, it went from, um, no, 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 the, sorry, it was well, the other way around. Three. It was the other way around. Yeah. Um, but what's, what's good about that, um, energy was the, 
that was kind of the big one that was dragging up CPI. Right. Uh, but shelter costs are really showing signs of coming down. Okay. And that's really what the Fed, what the Fed wants. Housing to costs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so as long as that keeps happening. So anyway, all that happened, and typically on a day where CPI comes in higher, um, you're going to see mortgage rates get worse. But because when you really start, and they immediately did, right? And then you start stripping down and looking into what's happening, and and investors said, oh, okay, well, shelter's coming down, and and so that was a good day. But then we certainly made up for it and had a couple of bad days since. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's interesting. I mean, watching what they do, they they're relatively predictable and because they typically they, they tell you what they're going to do and then they don't change course very often so it's a big deal when they do when they do change course um the we'll talk about like the actual definition of leading indicators and lagging indicators in a minute but uh, sort of the the leading indicator to the real estate market will be uh, mortgage rates which are you know we always tell everybody like oh if the fed goes up it doesn't mean rates are going up and that's true it's not directly correlated but it's so generally clear. but it's, where it is now it's Right. If the Fed raises rates, mortgage, mortgage rates, rates. <laughs> yeah. but also it's, uh, it's important to understand too, as the Fed starts lowering rates, mortgage rates will react positively. Yeah. But in a normal market environment, um, you know, it, it's not about what the Fed does. It's about what the Fed says they're going to do next. Because and everybody's in, anticipating. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So to, to dig into what's going on with the with the real estate market, you know, we're we're kind of we're, we're just sort of in a, a, a standby mode right now yeah. you know um we're going to continue we will we will concede we will continue to see year over year declines more than likely until until next year and that's only because the market was hot and and it was a gradual cooling off period um and we won't see things improve well sorry the, the two components are jobs and, and mortgage rate both of which are heavily influenced not even sorry influence is the right word both both of which are heavily affected by the Fed. So if you if you want to know what will happen with the real estate market, which whatever you know, look at what's happening with jobs. Um, I believe you have to dig deeper than unemployment and look at what's going on with mortgage rates. And then you go one level up and that's, you know, what's what is the Fed? What is the Fed doing? And right now we're kind of waiting on the Fed to announce that they're done raising correct? yeah but i don't think they're ever i don't think that they'll announce you it. don't, think, I don't so? think i don't think that they'll say we're done we're here i think they'll just stop just so and you'll have a couple of you'll probably have a couple of months where they've stopped i'm still of the belief that they're going to break something and they're going to have to turn around and they're going to they'll just start cutting so i don't i don't think they'll ever say they're going to stop i i just think something's going to break and they're going to have to well let's talk about that because that's new information whenever i mean it's not new information that you and i've talked haven't talked about because we talk about it all the time but Whenever we've done these in the past, we haven't gone sort of that deeply into that conversation. You and I have a lot, and the 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 fundamental. It's not even a disagreement. Um, you know, I think it's more like an optimism pessimism thing. And I don't know when I turned into an optimist, but you know, the Fed is looking for this this soft landing, and I think there's a likely, it's relatively strong likelihood that they're going to get it. And Max doesn't think that. Max well, thinks that they're going to well, break something. Well, I do think they're going to break something, but um it also is starting to appear to be more likely that that's going to happen but look let me let me kind of back up here right let's let's see what happens in the rest of this month and october with the stock market specifically because if the stock market takes a 20 percent turn for the worse that's that's i haven't even paid attention to the stock market what's going on with it well i mean it's been the the We've had a couple of bad days here and yeah. it's like you know you've got the tech sector and and things are really they're they're turning a little bit like we're coming off the highs but describe so, so so to to sort of like 
explain this to everyone out there though when you and i say break something we instantly know what we're talking about because we've we've had the discussion a hundred times describe break something like it maybe with an example like well what, i think like i said i mean you know as the fed we saw the stock market especially like when you look at at, at apple facebook google tesla all of those um you know back in may june uh they really peaked like if you look at apple for example i'll just pull this up apple actually got to an all-time high uh it was in july uh july august it, i mean it got to 197 uh and now we're sitting at uh what is this about 175 i think some of this is but that's not breaking anything. I mean, that's a, that's not, a dip. Yeah. No, but but it's because the market was looking at the Fed's not going to, um, or the Fed's going to start cutting rates, and now it's looking more likely like the Fed's not going to cut rates. Okay. Right. Um, so the market's always pricing in what they think is going to happen. Right. If the Fed's not going to cut rates, you very well could see the stock market take a twenty percent tumble. Yeah. That, in my opinion, could be the, the thing that gets the Fed to say, okay, this is enough. I don't think that you're like the Fed really wanted to well, they wanted they they wanted a housing recession, which they got. They got it. Um they wanted a they really want a jobs recession. Uh and it's not quite happened. But when you look at the jobs numbers as well, like are they are they really are they really what they say they are? You know, there's there's, I, I question some of that. I question the unemployment rate. That's like, what I'm saying. Yeah, I think that, I mean, we've talked about, you know, people entering the job market again, or people dropping out of the job market, and it's... Well, and also, like, when you look at that, right, like, a lot of people, a lot of people 55 and older going back to work. Exactly. You know, so there's, there's, there's a lot of that stuff that's not... But to go back to what we were talking about, like, with, with does the Fed break it? So I don't, I don't know that I would... It, you and I can like thumb wrestle over whether or not a 20% dip in the stock market is breaking anything. It's certainly not good, but I look at breaking something as if the Fed tightens so much that it starts collapsing, you know, corporations. Well, look what they, they already, look what happened with Silicon Valley Bank. For sure, but that's yeah. not breaking it. That's that, that's not breaking an industry though. Uh, no, but that's because they had to backstop it. And right. there very well could be more bank failures. I think that's the most likely thing that they could break mm -hmm. is these regional banks. And if that happens, you know, I don't know that it changes the timeline, but this is where I think there's a likelihood that they get a soft landing, that that there might be some more bank failures, but not like an industry wide, like not a 2008 where we had this fundamental problem of bad loans in the system that had to wash out. That no, was no, no, totally that, 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 that won't happen. Everybody's qualified. Well, in the commercial space, not, maybe not, but but that's that's a different conversation. But what happened like to, to summarize a conversation conversation we've had in the past it's that the fed can break things by increasing interest rates so much and reducing liquidity the banks the banks can't loan and you know industries who need that money can't get it right and then you start seeing failures and when you start seeing failures like at a systematic level like there's a there are multipliers of this happening that's when i look at it and say okay the fed the fed broke something yeah but let me ask you this like if that happens, then then what does the Fed do? Well, they got to start cutting rates. Exactly, and printing money, right? They're, that's right. Exactly. Yeah, you know. Uh, right. So let me ask you this: If 
if we both agree that the highest likelihood is the Fed starts lowering rates next, let's just call it next June, sure. right? Um, and there's a likelihood that they could break something between now and June. What's the likelihood that rates are down next June in one oh, way or another? I, I, I very much believe rates will be down next June. D down to what? I don't know. Right. You know, again, we're at whatever, 729 today. Uh, you know, I think it's highly likely that they're at least in the sixes by next June. You know, NBA predicts uh, that they're going to be about six and a half by the end of the year. Um, yeah, and I've, everybody has predictions and I've seen numbers range between six and a quarter and basically 7% is where people think uh, rates will be by the end of the year. By the end of this year? By the end of this year, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. It, it very well could be. It takes some real speculation to get them down that far. Not, not by us, I mean, but I'm saying by, there would have to be strong belief in the market. Uh, by the way, yeah. I don't I don't think rates will be six and a quarter yeah. by the end of the year. I think it's possible they could be under seven. I mean, that's only a quarter from where we are now. Yeah. And I mean, look, the, the fact is you can still get a rate today under seven. So like when we talk about rates, I talk about the average rate, right? not, you know, like, there's still you can lock in you can pay a, you know if you pay a point today i mean you're going to be in the high sixes so it's there's some of that as well so so people need to definitely understand that just because we're talking about an average rate of this like but we can summarize it by saying rates are high that's yeah <laughs> so so i'll say this and to to kind of like circle back to what's going to happen in the real estate market well seasonally the market's going to suck it it just kind of always does in in the late fall yeah. winter months and i am not glad that rates are high but if if there is a time of year that rates that i would prefer rates to be high it would be this time of year sure you know um i think it's i don't think we're going to see any improvement whatsoever over over the winter months in terms of like what a normal winter looks like which is it's you know a literal and figurative winter of, of right. real estate yeah um I think the first opportunity that we're going to see any improvement will be in late Q1 next year mm -hmm. in terms of the real estate market. And that I think if 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 I'm right and th this is where like what you're projecting, what I'm projecting differs slightly, because I think what we're both projecting is that there will be market improvement, market improvement in the market in uh, Q2 of next year, like late Q2. Yeah. Do you think that? I mean, yeah. So it's, it's kind of how we get there. And if the fed breaks something and, and there's a lot of turbulence like in the news you know the sky's falling for a short period before the fed swoops in and lowers rates right then q1 next year is not gonna be any good and right. early q2 is not gonna be good until they start improving things right if the fed has a soft landing then people will start getting more and more optimistic as it gets closer to yeah. the fed lowering rates and that's where we could have a, a pretty okay spring a pretty okay spring next year so i think those are the two scenarios that we're that we're kind of looking at yeah no i don't i don't as far as having an okay spring okay summer um i think one of those are likely <laughs> i think yeah yeah definitely um okay gosh that's what we're shooting for <laughs> it's better than now let's hope it doesn't suck yeah. as long as it doesn't suck well i'll tell you this i mean we've we're, we've muscled through this you know almost three quarters of a year and it hasn't it's not killed either one of us so. no and you know this has really been going on for a year for really for yeah. more than a year this really started about the middle of May last year is when we kind of saw this starting. And then last August, uh, it really got bad. And then September rates jumped. I mean, we, I was at this conference this time last year and rates worsened by 150 basis points 
in one day. Right. Uh, it was like the worst day in the history of mortgage-backed securities, maybe ever. Um, it was awful. Uh, you know, so it's, yeah. it's you know, it, it, it it's... Well, and, you know, I just, I'm, I'm a broken record here, but what do you do, right? I mean, I know what you say, what you do. Like, yeah, you put your head down, you work harder, you control what you can control. You control, yeah. you can control your activities. You can control your productivity. You can control your mindset. Mindset is huge. You know, you can just keep going. <laughs> you can't, <laughs> or you can put your hand in the sand and watch everything fall apart. But, right. you know, I think that's what really, like the good thing about this is the best of us will be fine uh and it will clear out the ones that got in at least from the loan officer perspective oh. and probably the real estate well, probably, probably the real estate <laughs> like the people that got in in 20 and 21 like oh this is so easy i'm just gonna go do this and look i put a sign in the yard and i got five offers you know if you're not willing to pivot from that i mean there's a lot of people that i think got in in 2020 2021 that, that got in for the right reasons and care about good service and by the way yeah. Uh, people that are getting in now, both, and I've had this conversation with folks, both on the real estate and the mortgage side, there's a lot of opportunity for them. Number one, they're not coming in with how great it used to be. Right. Um, you know, when you go back to 2007, 2008, my business grew. And some of that was, you know, I would, I brought on my very smart at the time girlfriend, now wife, yeah. uh, who helped us market and, and all of that. But you know, like I knew there was things going on. I didn't have any money in the stock market. I didn't really have a 401k. Yeah. Most of my money was just sitting in a checking account. Like it didn't, I grew and it didn't bother me. And I was not really paying attention to what was going on in the world other than there was a lot of bank failures. And you know, the company I was at at the time, like make like knowing that that wasn't going to fail and that we were okay. But through that whole period, if I think about the different experience that you and I had, because you did grow, 2007 to 2009 and then and then kept growing you know i didn't grow 08 09 really even 2010 and it's because i was i wasn't all in i was yeah. i was trying to do something else you know i was looking at my exit i was kind of quiet quitting at the time i was spending a lot of time studying for the lsat stuff yeah. like that and uh you know you had your head down the whole time working i, I mean yeah i mean this was i've been doing this since 01 but i've been yeah. fully in it since day one uh and like you know this is this is what i did that's it and that's it and i made that decision even after i didn't go to law school i didn't make the decision that this is what i do until probably 2012. yeah and that's when i said okay this is what i do i'm a real estate agent i'm going to be the best real estate agent i can i'm going to figure out how to optimize this and i'm going to work my butt off yeah and that's whenever things started going in the right like truly in the right direction yeah, it wasn't sure. just treading water anymore my, my my point is you know to a certain degree we can all get so caught up in how bad everything around us is that we can't control right that it can really impact your psyche and, and take away your focus from what you should be doing right? right and now we just all have to work six times as hard for 25 percent of the pay <laughs> I, mean, I, I read uh, the Gucci Mane Guide to Greatness, and there's a great quality, line in there. Quality. Super quality. There's a line in there that he says, uh, no one cares, work harder. That's right. Yeah. I mean, it, that's, that's a great line. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I do think, I mean, and, and again, this is kind of a broken record on what we talked about before, but there is, you know, the, the silver lining is there is a lot of opportunity. So even though, you know, your your wallet might not be getting fatter going in the right direction right now you know you're building the fundament the building the fundamentals to help yourself have better years in the future and if you look at this as a long game 
which again, I wasn't doing in 2008 and 2009. And my mindset was certainly in a bad place because all I was thinking about was how bad everything sucked right then. Right. Um, if you look at it and say, okay, what I'm doing today is building a foundation for where I'm going to be in three years, five years, 10 years. And what is this going to do for me then? That's how you can keep your mindset really strong. So I certainly, you know, we're struggling as well, just the same way you are. I mean, you're not going to go out of business. I'm not going to go out of business, but we're both working our butts off and not making any more money. Um, so you kind of have to look at work harder. No one cares. No work harder. No one cares. And then also think about where will you be? What can I do in three years time? You know, right. so, so I, I mean, Ali and I have goals to in 2026, we want to spend like the summer in Europe and yeah. hopefully we can do that. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, that's also three years from now. Yeah. You know, so I think, I think having those long-term goals and, and really kind of like writing them down is important and understand why you're understanding why you're doing things. Yeah. So. No, I, uh, I agree. Um, I don't have a three-year goal right now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> keep the lights on. <laughs> right now I'm focusing every day on giving this everything that I've got to keep, uh, keep everyone here and moving forward. And, and, you know, that's, yeah. I'm on a, let's get through this goal and then we'll, we'll refocus. Cool. So like new content, because Max and I have said this quite a bit to pretty much, I know I've said it to anyone who will listen, you know, work harder, focus on the long term. Um, that's how you get ahead. One thing that we haven't discussed a ton because it's just a concept that we both uh, really built our businesses around are, are leading indicators versus lagging indicators. And I thought we could talk for a minute about leading and lagging, leading and lagging indicators in the market and start with lagging because they're the easiest to understand and then move on to what what's really important for everybody and that is what are the leading indicators of your business and what yeah. are the lagging indicators of your business so lagging indicators of the market what do you i mean how would you describe that well you know um honestly i'm always more looking at leading indicators i kind of you i kind of lean on you for the for, for the lag i'm not kidding but like for my business, what am I looking at? Right, I'm looking at what are rates doing? Yeah. What 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 are applications doing? Um, how is it comparing to year over year? I mean, you know me, I yeah. compare every day. Like, well, how many how many apps did we have this day last well, year? So, so sorry. So to to start, I think and kind of walk everybody into this. Let's talk about like like I think everybody listening understands the lagging indicator, and they probably don't recognize it of of sold price, right? Like average, right. average, and and just talk about from a market dynamic first. You know, sold price gets all the news because right. that's that's what everybody understands really well. That's what happened. Exactly. But in order to get to a sold price, there were a million things that had to go before that. You know, it had to go under contract. That happened 30 to 60 days before. Yep. Um, the person who purchased it made the decision three to six months before. You know, the decision that they made was impacted by things in the market that were existing then and that were impacted by things before. So yeah. the lagging indicator, you know, is is something that I think most people focus on and they should really de-emphasize it. It is important to know that, but I sure. think it's more important to know what's the lagging ind indicator today, but where do the leading indicators point that to the, to the future, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I think so. I, um, like I said, I mean, when I, again, for me, leading indicators are what you care about. They are what I care about, <laughs> you know, inquiries, applications. Yeah. Um, that kind of thing is really what I'm, what I'm focused on. Um, it's funny. Yeah. So I think I probably spend too much time dissecting leading and lagging hundred percent. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, yeah, but I mean, I, I care about leading. I, that's really all I care about. You know, um, again, the, the very simple idea of like, by the time you got to a closing table, 
there was a minimum of, of 30 days of, yeah. of leading indicators, you know, leading up to it. So the leading indicator of the market is everything we just kind of went over, which are the, the, you know, the mortgage rates, jobs, things like that. And you can see what's coming. And then for business, which is what you were already jumping into because it's so important, you know, you're lagging, lagging indicator, right? Like the most, the <laughs> most, the, the latest indicator you'll ever have is the, the check that you put in, in the bank. That's right. Um, and that's obviously very, very important, but whenever I describe lagging indicators to people, I always say, look, if you're, if you are making decisions, like making business decisions, looking at, you know, the lagging indicators, it's like driving your car, looking in the rearview mirror. Do you know what's interesting about that? Um, that is what the Fed does. Well, for sure. <laughs> we talked about that forever. They're looking at, they're looking at inflation. They're data, looking is, at what happened yeah. and driving the car that way. Right. Uh, yeah, I know we talk. I mean, it's they're they're looking at year over year data, not month over month. Which they could, it, they just shifted that at all. It it would it would make a change. That's right. Yeah. Um. Well, I agree with you. <laughs> but no. So leading, what do you look at in terms of leading indicators for your business? What do you look at? Well, like I said, I mean, we're looking at uh, we're looking at uh, applications completed. We're looking at inquiries. We're looking at applications. We're looking at locks. Um, obviously, seasonality plays a portion into that. So we do want to compare what was the drop from Q2 to Q3 last year? What was the drop from Q1 to Q2, Q, Q2? Well, Q2 is usually more than Q1, but you know, how does each previous quarter look compared to the previous quarter of the next year? Right. So that we can compare. You're looking at year over year change. Exactly. Right. You know, um, those, those, those are the big things, you know, in the mortgage, it's funny because as a as a branch manager, my, the the whoever was in front of me would always be like, "We need your yearly projections, and we need them by the month." And like, I, I have no idea. I can tell you what's going to happen in the next thirty to forty five days. Right. I, I don't know in January what's going to happen in November. I have no idea. Uh, but now owning a company, uh, I mean, you still have to try to have some sort of number to plan and go for, but you're always kind of shifting direction, right? Like what. The, the the next 45 to 60, maybe even 90 days, you've got a sense. But even right now, like I have no idea what the next 90 days, what's going to look, what it's going to look like 90 days from now. Um, I, I really don't. It could, Why is that? Because of, because of churn in the market? Well, I think that there's just so much uncertainty right now, specifically with rates and, you know, anything could happen anytime. So let's, let's pretend for a minute that rates drops to five and three quarters by the end of this year, it's going to explode. Yeah, yeah. Right. And if rates go to eight and a half, it's going to, it's going to be zero. Like, like it'll, it'll, it'll be not really zero, but you know, it's, and the market is so uncertain right now. We've become so accustomed to, you know, in a normal environment, when you look at a mortgage backed security and that's what we watch all day, every day, five, 10 basis points of change, 12, like in a day is, is, was normal. And since really the last, it's 20, like now if the market moves 25 basis points in a day, you're like, oh, okay, that's like the new normal. But to have 30, 50, 80, like this is something that we've seen not every day, not regularly, but it's not uncommon to see those. Um, and now, but in normal days, 25, 30 basis points one way or another, 
versus 5, 10, 12. Like rates always kind of moved slowly, right, one way or another. And now they they tend to, I mean, you can see rates actually move an eighth to a quarter of a point in a day now um, versus over a period of time. So it's, and it's because of all the uncertainty. Once, so it, it makes it it makes it very difficult. And and look, there is a world out there where rates could nosedive in 30 days. I mean that 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 well, I, and I don't I don't think that will happen. You know, but it certainly could. I mean, you're watching a lot of Doctor Strange. If you know, the infinite, mean, infinite infinite universes. Well, <laughs> yeah. right, the multiverse for sure. I, I so, but my point is, it's just that the market is so uncertain that. To project like 90 days like yeah. now i do i'm i'm operating under the assumption that december november is going to be worse than august september right like that's that's the assumption that i'm operating but right. you know it's it's like lately i'm really trying to kind of focus more on 30 45 days because that's it's more now yeah no i think i think so and you know you and i like our perspective on it from I guess we're both managing people, and so we're looking at what would be more macro numbers than a lot of, uh, you know, agents are. Yeah. And so agents and LOs, I think, can look at the number of people that they're currently working with, and that's a good leading indicator of where they're going to be in two months, three months, yeah. six months. And and the leading indicator that that I recommend that agent, agents and LOs look at that they can control is it's their own activities, right? I mean, if you if you say if you track the number of calls you're making a day, you know, the number of text messages, whatever the number outreach right. you're making, how much how many people are you outreaching to? How many responses are you getting? How many in our world? How many applications are you taking? Right, right. How many pre qualifications? Same thing with that. with agents like showings, like how many people are you taking out and, and showing it? How many people want to look at houses with you? How many uh, you know, sellers are interested in meeting with you for a listing appointment. Right. Those will be the leading indicators. The, like if a, if you are going on a lot of listing appointments, you will close more houses in six months. Right. right. If that's if that's ticking up. Right. So that's a good thing. It's a really good thing to track. It's a good thing to track your sales because you know even though we we both said that like driving while looking in the rearview mirror is not a smart thing to do, you can generally assume that your past performance will indicate what your future performance will be. So you can that's have fair, a very yeah. macro idea of what next year is going to look like based on that. Right. And then you can look at your own leading indicators to see like, how will it, how will it change? Yeah. 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 I will say this. I mean, how long have you, but you've tracked things probably since, I mean, since I've known you, it was that, was that kind of a linchpin of your, of your business growth? Do you think? Oh, certainly. You yeah. know, <laughs> I always didn't like, I always, for, I shouldn't say always, but for a very long time, uh, I felt like if I did less than I did before I was failing. Right. So now I know that I'm going to do less in December than June or July. Yeah. Excuse so I know happen. that's going to happen. But did I do less this December than I did last December? How does that stack up to what I did the December before and the December before? And like, I'll, I would take it so far as to, okay, on this day, what is today's 915. So on 915 of 2022, how many loans did I have on the books to close in October? Of I mean, the good thing is you're not you're you're not competitive with yourself at all. So right, right. <laughs> could you imagine? Um, you know, so but it's always, but that's the word, right? Like competitive. It, it's yeah. not that. It's not that I'm trying to beat anybody. I'm just trying to beat myself. 
in anything that I do. And so like it's taken me a long time and a substantial amount of therapy to realize you don't have to be better than you were at one point every single time. I literally argued with my therapist a couple of weeks ago about that. I was like, no, but you do. You don't understand. Right. No, you know, I'm a couple years ahead of you on that. Uh, So, you know, um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that, I mean, the, for me, at least, it all started whenever I started uh, obsessively tracking. And that was, uh, if you remember that we called the app Transactify in, yeah. in 2013. And and that was whenever we had like hard numbers to look at. And we had real like year over year. And you could see if you're improving. There's a, a book I like a lot called The Four Disciplines of Execution. And one of the disciplines is you keep a compelling scoreboard. And they say that uh, people play differently when you're keeping score. Yeah. And the story or the comparison they give is like, playing basketball when they're not keeping score and they're just horsing around and then as soon as you say okay we're gonna play and keep score now like the game totally changes oh yeah and and when you do that with yourself like if you're just like me in 2006 for example you know wakeboarding you know four or five days a week and like i certainly wasn't keeping score other than can i put gas in the boat right um that was very different than 2012 2013 whenever i was like okay let me see if i can really improve and and track it and look at it so i feel like tracking is I think it's a critical piece of, of improvements. Another comparison is like if you're trying to get back in shape, like you want to see if you're if you're planning to lose weight or gain weight, you obviously have to have to, have to track that. And of course, what you're doing. Yeah. yeah. So, um, this is fun. Like I I, I feel like we did okay. Uh, we're we're kind of we're kind of coming up to the end of the hour. Yeah, I, you know, it's uh, I don't know, man. Like you and I just talk all the time anyway so yeah some of this is a repeat of every conversation we've yeah. never had yeah uh you know but i am you know i uh i'm excited i like to i like to hear myself talk uh i like to hear you talk too so <laughs> <laughs> so hopefully uh hopefully everybody else does yeah well um really excited about a couple of guests already agreed to come on the show um one of my mentors, uh, Russell Shaw, I, I, I hit him up and said, you know, hey, would you want to do this? I'm I'm really, uh, you know, very hesitantly starting a podcast like every other dude in Austin, I think. And uh, Russell didn't hesitate. And he said, yeah. And I think you and I talked about we're going to talk about mentorship yeah. at, at the next next podcast and why that's really important. And, um, you know, we'll we'll use that cheesy phrase friendorship, I think, that we came up with. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's what we'll talk about next and talk about why mentorship is so important, uh, on both ends, like, you know, at, when you're newer, finding a good mentor or mentors and then how rewarding it can be and how you actually gain a ton whenever you start mentoring others. So I'm really looking forward to that. I hope you are too. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. Awesome. Want to thank, yeah. I was just going to say, thanks for, uh, thanks for tuning in and listening, uh, to us, Yabber. Uh, you know, if you have any questions, uh, y'all know how to reach out to us. So, uh, you know, we're always happy to help any way we can. Yeah. Thanks for, uh, having this idea. Yeah, I, I, it's fun. I mean, it, it's something that I get a lot out of this. So, you know, hopefully, hopefully other people do too. Yeah. Right on. Awesome. Cool. Thank you guys. Hope everyone has an awesome weekend. See you guys. Hook them horns. <laughs>